1: This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on.
0: Welcome to Sex and Science Hour. Happy Friday night, everybody.
1: Just coming Uh, off of a game of Dr. Mario.
0: Yeah, coming off of not only a game of Dr. Mario, but a massage.
1: You did get a massage. massage.
0: Brian didn't get a massage today. Not my
1: bag. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: But I will say the Dr. Mario was extremely relaxing. It was very nice.
1: Yeah. On an NES classic of all things.
0: Woo. Yeah. Did we talk about that on the show? I think we did because we got it on a Friday. So I think we recorded a show that day. Yeah. So, I, I think we might have mentioned that we had it. Yeah. Which is yeah, great. Absolutely. So we are relaxed. We're ready to go. And, uh, you know, I got an email that I wanted to read. I, I called it, isn't it ironic? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Stephanie. Alanis Morissette's ironic music video came on, and she reminded me of you. Has anyone ever said you look like her? And then I was amused by the fact that you're both super talented with your voices. Ooh. Random thought. Have a good one.
1: <laughs> wow. All right.
0: What do you think, Brian? Do I look... Do I resemble y- Alanis resemble? Morissette? You, I mean, you. That's not re- the first time I've heard that, believe it or not. No,
1: I've never said it because, um, I generally don't make it a point to like really compare people, mm-hmm. even if it's favorable. Like I'm a big fan of Alanis Morissette. Uh, but if you're asking me, yeah, I mean, you look a lot like her. In fact, there's a video, an even better video than Ironic, uh, which is head over feet.
0: Oh, Man. yeah. Where is that the one where it's just her face? The whole time
1: yeah. it's just her face. <laughs> and it is, I mean, I've, oh, al- since I was a teenager, I thought that was just the sexiest damn thing and she looked so hot in that um and yeah you've totally reminded me of that more than a few times uh thank y- you you've got it yeah
0: well i just thought that was funny and um yeah it, it is interesting how uh it's interesting how she played god in in dogma i know? was gonna bring that up too <laughs> because <laughs> that's kind of perfect i respect her a lot she's a very talented musician
1: i i mean jagged little pill is got to be one of the biggest albums in history you know i, mean, I that's a lot of talent
0: want you to know that i'm happy for you (laughs) um (laughs) anyway let's get started with the show uh this is not something i'm happy with about about last week or last was it last week no it was last time we recorded two weeks ago two weeks ago we read an article that was very hopeful it was a pew research poll about the social views of americans and they were dependent upon who you are yeah, I mean, there for us, so sure. For. There's different ways to interpret it. But, right. Um, I thought it was largely positive. We talked about some of the nuances, but it, it was basically indicating that overall Americans are going in a more progressive, uh, direction with their social views. Right. Their social, socially liberal, uh, views. I have an article that kind of maybe pushes back against that. <laughs> this is from Vice. Half of Americans think women should be required by law to take husband's name. Now, there's a lot to unpack here. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack here. Why don't we just throw away the whole suitcase? No, I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Uh d- where to even begin, right? Like do you, a husband is optional, not mandatory, right? And so is taking his name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah one of those. i mean tell me
1: more okay. like i feel like there's got to be some, a little something extra to this i don't know
0: all right uh despite its archaic origins the question of whether or not a woman should take her husband's last name remains relevant says this article now i'm reading from it just ask any of your engaged friends researchers have found that more than 70 percent of u.s adults believe a woman should change her name And approximately half felt that doing so should be required by law. A new study published earlier this month in Gender Issues, oh yeah, that's a gender issue, (laughs) seeks to find out why this belief is so persistent. The most common reason, approximately 50% of the cases, given by individuals who advocated women's name change, was the belief that women should prioritize their marriage and their family ahead of themselves said Emily Fitzgibbon Schaefer, a sociology professor at Portland State University. Well, let's unpack that a little part. Yeah. OK, so so, the, so does it mean OK, so does it mean that if a woman takes her husband's name, she is literally putting her family and her husband ahead of herself, her individuality?
1: Well, OK, if you do have a kid, both you and the husband, both the wife and the husband, or whatever it is. The parents. Yeah. The parents do need to put that kid ahead of themselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but
0: does that have to necessarily mean like losing your individuality? Is it like shaving oh, your head when you go into the military? Uh,
1: well, I mean, that's a loaded question because I would argue as someone that has been married um, and and has had a family situation, okay, um, you, you know, in a traditional two-parent household, yes, you absolutely lose your individuality. Hmm. You might as well hand it over. Um, Well,
0: not that I've had experience with this, but I mean, I don't think it's a necessity. I I don't think it's it always happens, but I think it is pretty... It, it is a trap that you can easily fall into. It's very
1: commonplace.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah I suppose maybe there's ways where you could work it out where it doesn't, but especially for women, because the cultural expectations are that they give all of themselves. I mean, just look at this, this whole belief, the way it was stated. A woman should change her name to symbolize that she's putting her marriage and her family ahead of herself. Why doesn't the man, why shouldn't the man put the family ahead well, of himself? Well, that was, too? Gonna,
1: that was going to be one of my questions here is did they even offer the option in the polling? of what if the guy could change his name yeah because i could see where 70 percent of america thinks that yes there should be an. I, I mean i don't think most people think this much about it but not that i want it to be a law but i kind of agree because you you know the kid for, for the sake of the kids if you don't have kids i don't give a shit okay but for the sake of the kids it helps if they have like some kind of very easy shorthand and sense of solidarity with their with its parents, with
0: their family, yeah,
1: with their family,
0: every, and like everybody with, having like the same every, last name. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, and even having some degree of solidarity, perhaps with cousins. I mean, not that that's always going to have the same last name, you know, but point being is that for the kids and for them to not be fucking confused, OK, at early ages. I get it. Like, like th- this makes a degree of sense. It doesn't have to be that way. And kids are brilliant and I'm sure they could get over it, but I'm saying I could see where people would make that argument and it's not wholly unfair for them to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but this notion that you need to give up your individuality that, that you need to, or this idea that the woman has to put other things first and not the guy, what the fuck is that? Uh, you know, that, that's right. outrageous. I think it's, that kind of it, that's
0: reflected in the whole, like, it goes with all the traditional gender norms. Cause the traditional yeah. gender norms is that the man is the leader. He is the one who is building the empire of the family. He's the king and she's the queen. And it's like, man is first, woman is below him and then child is below everybody. And maybe the pet is below the child, maybe, but. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But maybe. not always. <laughs> And and yeah, like it the name change reflects that, because when a woman marries a man, she's becoming basically his an extension of him. Right. It's his empire. He is the king of the castle. He's first.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just I guess I could see a lot where people would have a lot of justifications also why they would want it done by law, Um, because a lot of people, why do they say? I mean, look, marriage is and I think that I think this can be more readily Shown in a lot of ways. Marriage is passe in a lot of the it's, world uh, and in America. Down, yeah. yeah, it's going away. So is having children. Okay. I, I have, I mean, there's a bunch of other stories we could bring up. Um, you know, about that.
0: A lot of people still want to, you know, and that's, sure. that's their choice, but you know, it's not as, there's not, it, there's more social acceptance for people who don't want to do those things.
1: Yes. But now the argument from from a lot of people who agree that marriage is BS but they still get married. Um they make the argument of because of legal benefits. You know that come their way be it taxes, the, the hospital things nonsense. Hospitals will let you in. You don't have to you don't have to really say your name. <laughs> I mean it really. Uh in most places, you know there's there's a bunch of different arguments for this. So to have the name change by law if you're shooting for the advantages that you think exist by law of getting married in the first place. It's a hop, skip and a jump. I, I don't think that that, I mean, especially for the reasons that people talk about, like having hospital rights and everything. Um, it's a lot easier if you just say your last name's the same as the patient, you know what I mean? And so they it might as well all happen in one fell swoop. I think for a lot of people based upon the arguments that still exist today for why people still bother to get married in the first place. I don't agree with them. I, again, I never want to make a law of any kind. Well, you
0: know, I was thinking that I was thinking something along the same lines. I was kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, Oh, they're not doing this for like, they, they're doing this for legal reasons, basically, because they want it to be, you know, kind of like a standard thing. And maybe they, maybe a lot of the people who believe that it should be a law are women who have changed their names and had Mm -hmm. problems like getting their driver's license switched over or something like that. But then again, it's also like, Every state where you're, you change your name, there is a provision for changing it because of marriage. They make it easy already.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do it right there. Yeah. Um, and you, like, I think you sign the contract, which mind boggling. Uh, you know, what does a contract have to <laughs> right. say about love at all? Yeah. Uh, but you sign the contract. And I think, like, when you get married, you know, that's when the person at, I think in some states there's the line where it says, no, now you're going to sign it as such and such person, you know, not, not your maiden name. Um anymore
0: that just that very idea maiden name yeah like, <laughs> i mean it just it, if i keep just keep my name that i was born with am i always a maiden because i'd love to be like a 90 year old maiden it just shows the farce of the whole thing i mean yeah. what,
1: like what it's all about it, it's well anyway it's
0: dated it's very dated okay so but here's here's a little bit more this, yeah the article it. sheds a little more light on the reasoning behind why people believe that this should be a law okay so let's d- delve into that here Schaefer was interested in understanding how people perceived women based on their last name change, and whether keeping one's maiden name could cause a backlash. More than 1,200 people from a national sample participated in a survey. Respondents were introduced to a randomly assigned vignette with a fictional person named Carol Sherman, Carol Sherman Cook, or Carol Cook, who is married to Bill Cook. Okay? Okay. Right. So the first A, she keeps her maiden name. Uh huh. B, she has a hyphenated name. She's a slightly progressive, like liberal feminist. <laughs> C, she takes Bill's name. She's a traditional hashtag trad life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So ca- here's the vignette. Carol has been spending a lot of extra hours at her office job, hoping for a promotion. Oh, that's her first mistake right there. Just kidding. (laughs) Carol has been spending a lot of extra hours at her office job, hoping for a promotion. Bill is starting to feel burdened by her absence as he is picking up her slack in housework. Oh no. Yeah. She's leaving slack by not doing all the housework. I guess this is so like biased anyway. Change her last name and put her in her place. Jeez. (laughs) Respondents were then asked to rate how committed they thought Carol was to being a wife and then assess what standards they held her to. This was determined by, sorry, this was determined by answering how many days Carol's husband should be okay with her working late each week, zero to five, and then rating how justified he would be in divorcing her. Wow. (laughs) Wow. Poor Carol. She's really under the gun, both at work and at home. Schaefer notes that the results were surprising. Among women and highly educated men, women's surname choice has little effect on their perceptions of women as a wife or the standards to which she is held in marriage. Low educated men, however, thought that a woman who chose a different last name from her husband's was less committed to the marriage and that her husband would be more justified in filing for a divorce for her, quote, perceived Neglect of the marriage as measured through repeated lateness, she writes. Wow.
1: Um, do, do you want to unpack or you got more?
0: Yes, no, let's
1: unpack it, sure. Uh, well, I don't know if you, if you have something specific you want to say about that, go for it. I, 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 I mean, it's just mind boggling to me. It
0: is. Yeah, like the woman is perceived as less devoted to the marriage when she works late and tries to get a promotion.
1: <laughs> yeah she tries to be a human being and yeah, like, and oh, she keeps her committed. own name right <laughs> it's like no i think she's doing it right she's obviously committed to herself uh which is what we should all be
0: right doing. and like wouldn't if she gets a promotion maybe they would make more money and it's their money because they're a married couple right so well, that's a whole other thing with that you know, right
1: how many married couples believe in like combining finances these yeah. days so but that but these days that statement right there that i just made I would be curious what the statistics were for this poll 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Mm. I bet 70% is a steep drop from what it used to be. Okay. Meaning that I bet 10 years ago, if you asked the same question, it wouldn't have been 70% should change their last name. It would have been, it would have been 90 yeah, or 95. 95, So I, I, this is, you got to be careful with this because I bet that's low. I bet that's a really low number by comparison. And the reason I think that is are are two, okay? Um one is in fact you watch the show and I watch it with you.
0: Uh <laughs> only that, when I make you That is
1: positively horrendous. <laughs> which is Which one, Brian? Uh ma- yeah, which is Married at First Sight. Okay? Yeah. Now
0: Married at First Sight is a reality TV show about Arranged marriage. Let's marriages. just call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So but there was a
1: a couple seasons ago or last season or it must have been two seasons ago because I, I was spared last season. Uh, A couple seasons ago, <laughs> there was a couple where the woman did not. She was adamant. She did not want to change
0: her last name to this guy's last name. Yes. And the psychologists and experts were looking at her like there's something wrong with her, Which Like is, she's crazy. Right
1: now. Let me tell you why it's not, especially today. Now, I mean, first off, there have been women that have been clamoring for this for over a hundred years. Okay, for example, uh, Sadie Elizabeth Holloway Marston. She did not want the name Marston. She wanted to stick with Holloway. Okay, uh, and and she she expressly said, like you can find the quote from her. Why the fuck do I have to change my name? You know, I mean, and and Good we're questioning Elizabeth, right, and we're talking in the 1920s with this with this woman. Okay, so it's not like, or even earlier, it's not like this is a new thing. It's now a more important thing, and here's the reason, one word, Twitter, because your name is your brand now. Everybody's a celebrity. Okay. Anybody that engages in social media, you are on the celebrity stage, as Prince would say.
0: Yeah. You know, some people, when they're having kids now, are homesteading the domain name for their child's name. Right. They're to- homesteading a Twitter handle, a social, Facebook, social media of sure. all different kinds. Sure. And yeah, that's right. I mean, what if you have published works? What if you have, uh, a, even like a podcast or a blog that you've done that right. you want people to be able to find when they search for your name?
1: Right. You are absolutely marketable in every way. Either Facebook wants you or you want Facebook to put you out there, whatever the fuck it is, okay? And so the point being is that it actually, in today's world, and the way a lot of entrepreneurs have to work and the way that a lot of people make names for themselves, no pun intended, all right, uh, it's antithetical to you to change your name because that could completely, you could lose everybody. Like, it, that. consider it, it'd be like Nike renaming to Reebok 2. You know what I mean? Like, that that's what this is like. Like, it is a bad idea to change your name in today's world. Now, look, I think social media is horseshit. OK, but I'm just saying that the arguments for changing your name into the way today's world functions, or at least the way people perceive that it functions, that somehow social media actually does something. Uh, it is disastrous, for you to change your name. Yeah. Like, I I mean, it it literally, it's a disaster just waiting to happen to you.
0: I think uh, the assumption before the times of social media was that, well, you know, women are just not really natural, like, leaders and doers. That's like a man's role. And so a right. woman's not going to have any significant accomplishments or any reason to be known by her name. Who is she? She doesn't even really have her own personality. So that, what does it matter if she changes her name? That's great. You know, she can just kind of be under her husband's umbrella. You know, yeah, just roll it all together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, I can see some, some actually
1: some really great arguments for why changing your name, you know, and I said those earlier. Okay. But at the same time, like I bet that that 70% number is, is a steep drop, uh, because of the very reasons that I just described. I mean, that, that, that changing your name can be to you as a whatever businesswoman, you take your pick. Uh, again, disastrous. Yeah. That's, that is the word for it.
0: Well, I guess it depends, you know, whether things are going in a more socially progressive direction, I guess, depends on which question you ask and how you ask the question.
1: Apparently, Yeah, or what past data was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So what do you think about this? Do you think I look like Alanis Morissette? If you've ever seen me, (laughs) I should put a picture of myself up on our website. Let's let's do that. And our website, by the way, is sexandsciencehour.com. That's not going to change. We're not changing the name of the show. So don't you worry about that. (laughs) But we will be right back with segment two. We got some interesting stor- science stories for you. Stay tuned. This is Sex and Science Hour. And uh, right now we are in the science portion of the show. Woo! This is a very interesting article here. Um, did you know, Brian, that when people go through cancer chemotherapy, it can do some weird things to their taste buds? I've heard
1: this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, some types of cancer chemotherapy kill off the taste buds or change them in such a way that it really makes eating food unpleasant. And that's bad when you have cancer because a lot of people are, you know, losing weight rapidly on, you know, unchosen or un what's the word? Uh, unintentional weight loss, sure. you know, and they need to be eating food in order to survive. But the food just all tastes like chalk or dirt. Some people experience a metallic taste where mm. it tastes like they're actually eating metal and it makes it very, very unpleasant to be able to eat anything. Sure. So there is a Czech company that has created a, a beer, a non-alcoholic beer, that some modules all right <laughs> not just that but apparently it can reverse this effect of uh, cancer chemotherapy making foods taste metallic
1: what the hell
0: yeah isn't this interesting so the, so in the Czech Republic um Beer is one of the most commonly consumed beverages, and sure. so that's why they decided to make it a beer.
1: Okay, that's going to be my first question. Okay. Yeah,
0: the, let me just read you a little bit about this. This yeah. is from NPR: Czech company designs a non-alcoholic beer to taste good to cancer patients. By Elizabeth. Oh no, by Elizabeth. Thank you, Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> Many oncology patients swear off alcohol during treatment, but in the Czech Republic, where beer is the national beverage, cancer patients undergoing chemotherapy have a new option. The non-alcoholic mama, beer, mama is the Latin word for breast, is meant to counteract (laughs) dysgusia. I don't know how if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but we're just going to go with it. A palate-altering phenomenon that is often a side effect of chemotherapy that makes food and drink taste bitter or bland. It is targeted for women undergoing chemotherapy for breast cancer and is one of several new products coming on the market specifically to address the changes in the way food tastes to cancer patients. Chemotherapy in breast cancer patients often causes a loss in taste or a change of taste that leads to a lower intake of nutrients than patients need on their, during their treatment, says Dr. Karolina Hovorkova an oncologist who has been distributing samples of mama beer to her patients at Centrum Clinic in Prague since April. Research from the Netherlands Wageningen University confirms that taste disturbance in cancer patients can not only interfere with their overall nutritional status, but may also affect treatment and recovery. So in a country with annual beer consumption of over 36 gallons per capita, Ooh. where a draft beer can cost less than a bottle of water in restaurants – it should come as no surprise that some doctors here see a drop of truth in the Czech proverb. It says it in Czech, but I'm not even going to pronounce it. Beer is medicine. They have a proverb that says beer is medicine.
1: Well, in a, I've, I've been to the Czech Republic, or I was there when it was Czechoslovakia. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I don't blame them. You know, pass yeah. me a beer because Jesus. <laughs> like, not the most... No, I'm kidding. Prague is beautiful. Uh, but, uh, but no, I... Yeah, anyway, I, I'm kidding about that. Uh, but beer, like, I, I'm still kind of shocked that they chose beer. Yeah. Okay. Like, why so, not something? I mean, cause even if it's non-alcoholic,
0: that's still kind of fattening.
1: Uh, maybe that's a good thing. Well, that's, know.
0: that's part of the reason because oh. apparently it contains some B vitamins from the yeast and also it, it stimulates hunger. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cause beer is a fattening food, but when you're trying to put on weight, you need that. Yeah, and we we're trying yeah. to stimulate okay. your appetite. No, so now and this right. is this is created by a brewery that makes kind of like specialty beers. They make uh-huh. like organic, gluten-free beers and other stuff like that. Um, So they they created this beer and they added apple juice to it. That's one of the ways that it counteracts the bitterness that is a common complaint among the chemo patients. Says yeah. the
1: article. Yeah, this is making a little more sense of why it's beer. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, there is somebody who did like an art project to show, you know, what foods taste like when you after you're going through chemotherapy. And he made like a plate of nails, and like metal objects to show with like ketchup on it to like show what it tastes like you're eating. Uh-huh. So, I mean, they're they're really bad. Um, yeah. Uh, I just thought that was cool. I wanted to share.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild uh, to come up with something like. I mean, your taste buds are very sensitive, right? Like, aren't aren't there certain fruits or something that you can eat that will completely change the way that you taste? Yes, everything? in
0: fact, we have an email from Mr. Miracle Berry about this very subject. Oh,
1: <laughs> yes. All right. All right. <laughs>
0: Were you trying to lead into that, Brian? I, I wasn't actually, <laughs> but that fits.
1: Maybe it was unconscious.
0: Yeah. Okay, we'll read that on the after show. But uh, okay. but yeah, there's a fruit called the miracle berry, which contra- contains a protein called Miraculin (laughs) that interacts with the taste buds that, uh, and it makes basically sour tastes from fruit. Like a lot of fruit, you know, lemons and limes and citrus fruits contain citric acid. Mm. So it makes acids in, in the fruits actually taste sweet instead of sour. So if you eat a lemon when, after you eat this miracle berry, it tastes very sweet. If See, you eat, like, a grapefruit, a sour grapefruit, it would taste sweet. And apparently, if you eat, like, a pineapple, something that's already sweet but also acidic, mm-hmm. it tastes, like, too sweet. Wow. <laughs> like way too sweet. Too sweet. Too, too right. sweet. Uh, so, so here's the funny
1: thing is that, I mean, I'm intrigued that this kind of thing's being done. I know something that some people have called, like, a holy grail, people that are interested in dieting. Okay, and whatever you want to, you know, whatever you want your whatever your best weight is, that's up to you, you know. Mm -hmm. But I know there's a lot of people who wanted like to have something that they could ingest that would make their taste buds make everything taste horrible, you know, so that they wouldn't eat.
0: Oh boy! Um, Yeah,
1: and I, I mean, maybe this is pointing in the direction that that sort of thing is possible too. I don't know. I think that's a little extreme, uh, that for people who want to go through. But I know there's people that. I think reasonably, we're asking for it.
0: They used to physically like wire some people's mouths shut. Yeah, I mean that's horrible. Yeah, like, that uh, is horrible. And, and again.
1: I'm, people, it's it's up to you what you want to look like. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm mm. just saying that there are people who've been desirous of that, and and this is interesting.
0: Well, there are those sprays that you can put on like the legs of furniture to keep a dog from chewing on it, right? Like a bitter apple spray oh, or something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then some people put it like in nail polish, and so then they put it on their kids' thumbs so that, that the way kid they don't won't suck their thumb,
1: right? Or they don't bite their nails. <laughs> or they don't That's bite their nails. That's been a popular yeah. thing too. See, yeah, you know, because when I hear about that, well, when you do it to kids. Like
0: that just seems awfully like. I think that's cruel. Pavlovian. Yeah, you know, like? <laughs> it's like
1: you know, really, your your kid's not a dog, and I don't I don't know. That just messes. A kid's just a little human. You're you're fucking with their agency. I feel like. Yeah. But I yeah. don't know. I that that's that's you know one of the old arguments. Like, is it okay to um, I don't know, change a diaper.
0: You know, when I was a kid, and I will always be grateful to my parents for this. I sucked my thumb until I was about. 11 maybe 11 years old right on. maybe 10 or 11 sure and then i gave it up on my own i just naturally stopped i remember the point where i was like because people told me like yeah we're not gonna you know we're not gonna stop you from sucking your thumb i mean most people just don't suck their thumb for their entire life you know (laughs) eventually they stop right right (laughs) so you probably will too and i was like okay that's good. They're not making me give up my, yeah. my thumb sucking habit. <laughs> yeah.
1: I did a binky to like three, you know, yeah. pacifier, as other people call it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got bribed out of that, though. So got a Jabba the Hutt figure out of it. Oh, my God. But like, yeah, my mother was really worried that I would, you know, I shouldn't have had that binky at three, she thought. But, well, anyway.
0: That's Pavlovian, too. Yeah. And you, re- you remember that, too. Oh, vividly. Yeah. Vividly. Yeah. Tell the story. Oh well,
1: I don't know how long there is to tell. I mean, just like I always had a binky with me and there's pictures of me, I know, or well there used you to be You mean a
0: pacifier. A pacifier. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um that and I had it until I was like three years old. You're supposed to dump those like, I don't know, what I don't even know what the regular age is, around one, I guess, or something, if not less. Um yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's supposed to be something for a kid to suck on when they can't be actually drinking milk or, or, or on the boob. Yeah. uh,
1: Or for teething. I don't know. Anyway. So, but I had mine forever. Like I, I just wouldn't give it up. Um, and then my mother, you know, when I'm three, she says, Hey, here, like I have this bag. There are toys in this bag and you, you pick one out, but you got to give me the binky and you never get it back. And I had this blue binky.
0: At least she was honest with you. Yeah. At least she didn't say, like, hey, I'll trade you. And then, psych! Yeah, and then toss it away, You never get it right? back. Yeah. So she
1: did it. And I reached into this bag. And at three years old, you can imagine how big my hands were. They weren't big at all. Uh-huh. And I just went for the largest thing inside this bag. I'm like, well, bigger is better, whatever it is. And I pulled it out and... Everything in there was Star Wars, which, hey, that's a win for me. Mm. And uh, I pulled out a giant Jabba the Hutt. You know, I had to get my other hand in there and and I pulled out a giant Jabba the Hutt figure uh, that I had. And I kept that for years. But mm. because, you know, toys used to be made that way. And uh, yeah, but I never and that was it. You know, I, I mean, did you suck
0: on Jabba the Hutt? No, no. no. <laughs> but, you know,
1: it's funny, like thinking about that, like that's how fucking I wonder. It's a side side subject okay because we've yeah. talked about this on the show you don't like star wars no. and, and, and i love it okay like i love it but here's the thing i can admit to myself and i've had to give myself some 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 tough talks internally lately that disney's really fucking things up like they're not they're not doing well for star wars
0: okay tell me more about that well i mean I like, agree, but tell me more well, what like, you think about it <laughs> the last jedi
1: was a rough situation there's a lot of shit in that i mean i i I tell myself, okay, this is fine. I'll deal with it. And episode nine, we'll clear everything up with this. Okay. Uh Last Jedi is episode eight. But it's that there's just a lot of other things, a lot of other strange things that they're doing. They're not hiring enough women. They're not even hiring women directors. Not really. Uh, th- there's a lot of things that I want Disney to do that I want them to deliver on and that they promised with Star Wars, like where there's a lot more uh, a connection between the continuity with what's in the novels, the books and the movies all working in conjunction. And they're just not delivering. They're not doing that. Um, on my Patreon for Sovereign Tech, patreon.com slash Sovereign Tech, uh, I do a show with, uh, with, uh, um, Robin Freebeard. We do a Star Wars update and we talk Star Wars every month. And we have concerns every month. And that shouldn't be Star Wars should be the golden boy that just can't, can't, can't do wrong. And the thing is, is that I, ha- I keep telling myself, no, no, you love Star Wars, motherfucker. You know, like, like stop it. You know, you know, just, just, just let them do it. Star Wars is too important for you to be complaining about. Okay. And what's happening for me now is just talking, telling that story. I just instantly thought I'm like, shit, like how deeply ingrained is Star Wars in me that like this, this, this seminal moment at three years old, I am giving up this thing so important to me, you know, for this. And I knew there was Star Wars stuff in there. My mother made that very clear, you know? And so, like, I wonder if that's what's keeping me holding on to star wars even Aww. though honestly it's falling apart like it, it star wars is not what you it was you gave
0: up your binky for star wars
1: <laughs> yeah and that's I know a that, real emotional
0: investment well i know this sounds
1: stupid but like that's that's an early deeply ingrained moment i can't forget it oh yeah and and like what no it doesn't sound stupid at all well but i'm yeah i mean it, it's so formative mm-hmm. at that age and so like how much unconsciously does that stick with me because like, you know, I love episode one of Star Wars. Nobody loves episode one of Star Wars, you know, other than other kids that grew up with it, perhaps. But nobody loves that movie. I love it. But I think I've, I've just told myself over and over again, Brian, you love it. It's Star Wars. Shut up. You know, and <laughs> you gave up your binky for this. It better be good. Exactly.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you know, and that just clicked for me. And, and and now I'm at the point of like a sunk cost fallacy where I've invested so much money into everything Star Wars for so much of my life that like now it's like, well, I got to stick with it. I got to read every book. I have to buy every comic book. I have to be on top of all this shit. And but you don't, you know, and, and maybe it's time like the binky. It's time for Star Wars to be handed over and say, all right, I'll never touch it again. Yeah, maybe it's time. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you should get your binky back, too. I know you can never really get it back, but you should get something to replace it that's I, you know, just I as should good. walk
1: up to my mother and say, Mom, give me that fucking binky back right now. You can have all this Star Wars shit. I've had enough. That's give right. Give me the binky, baby.
0: Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think you definitely should do that. All right. Okay, well. I
1: haven't talked to her in years, but all right, here we go. <laughs>
0: okay i had a great article i wanted to bring up um this is something that i think you mentioned in your sovereign tech newsletter brian okay um did you hear about the experiment where they transferred memories between snails by transferring rna RNA. molecules yeah now this has been um for years you know for for many decades uh, scientists have been trying to understand how memories are actually encoded. And there has been a theory that they're, in, that, that they're stored in basically RNA. Now, how does that work? We don't exactly know, but basically some scientists at UCLA did a study where they were using these sea slugs as a model organism. And I guess the reason they use those is because they have a very simple nervous system that's yes. very well understood. Yeah. They have sort of clusters of neurons. They don't really have much of a brain, but they've got these ganglia or like clusters of neurons in them.
1: Yeah. So they, they shocked a, a set of a, a control group of snails. Yeah. Okay. And, and that their was, tails.
0: that was to create a memory of pain. Right. Yeah. So then they, they, they shocked their tails and they, they they trained the snails to to learn that the shock was going to hurt them. Well, so, all right. So so they well they shocked them. Well, and yeah. Then, they and, they train them yeah. to they trained them to basically be edgy and anxious by shocking them repeatedly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so so then I mean, but it hurts regardless. Yes. Like that shock is hurting no matter yeah. what. And they would and they show that it hurts by withdrawing their their foot. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And so then they take the RNA out of those tails from that control group and they put it into a group. That wasn't shocked. And there's another different control snails. group. Yeah, different, different snails. snails that They're, have never been shocked. Right. And those snails reacted with a delayed time as if they had been shocked. Yeah. Or as in they had experienced a shock, even though they had not been shocked at all.
0: Yeah, that's uh, what it was. So when snails are shocked, they uh each time they get shocked, they basically respond by withdrawing their foot faster. Mm-hmm. So they learn that it's coming and that they withdraw their, fo- they learn to withdraw their foot. Right. Well, the snails that had never been shocked should have taken, let's say, 10 seconds to withdraw right. their foot after the shock. However, if they got the RNA from the snails that had previously been shocked, they withdrew their foot in five seconds. So it wasn't as fast as if they had been shocked themselves, but it was faster than if they, than it should have been if they had never been shocked.
1: Now, right. Now the suggestion here, is that memory may be to some degree genetic or at least there are genetic components right. to and yeah. g- genetic memory is this concept that, that was originally kind of science fiction uh, where the idea is that you actually pass down memories genetically, you know, mm-hmm. through DNA or in this case, RNA or yeah. whatever. And, and so meaning that like you could have memories that were your parents, but you've got them in you. Yeah. And at the very least, either consciously or unconsciously, you may be reacting to those memories, uh, in some way. That's the idea. That's, that's what they're hinting at, what they're suggesting. Yeah. That's sort of the,
0: the sci-fi idea. Now, I think it's not exactly that where they literally remember the same things as happened to a human's parents or happened to the other snail with the shock. I think what's being transferred is just basically a general a general sense of edginess that comes from a response to trauma. And this is borne out in humans too, because, uh, there have been studies on the grandchildren of people who lived through the Irish potato famine Mm -hmm. and other famines in history where the grandparent was starving at some point in their youth. And then they had children and they passed on to their children, um, Basically, genetic changes that were conferred through epigenetics, so not actual changes in the written code of the DNA, changes in the way that certain genes are expressed, the levels of dialing up or down the levels of expression of certain genes, that made their children of the people who survived these famines more prone to putting on weight. They had basically more metabolically thrifty genes. Yeah. And And that effect carried through not only to the children, but also to the grandchildren. So... So sort of, it's not exact, it's not a literal memory like the grandchild remembers the Irish potato famine. It's that the grandchild's body is more adapted for famine. They don't know exactly why, but it's, it's an echo of trauma that p- gets passed down through generations, not through words or, or pictures or stories of literal memories, but a sense of, of be prepared for a trauma. Yeah,
1: so I mean, and this happens with evolution. I mean, it's how evolution works. You know, um, is through these kinds of uh, genetic expressions, right? So, so a ganglia, I mean, is is a very basic. I mean, like with with the snails, like that's a very basic um, nervous system, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So here's one of the not the hard problem of consciousness, but one of the many questions of consciousness, which is. So, does the brains or do do your nerve endings Mm -hmm. serve the brain, or does your brain serve your nerve endings? Oh, I need to hear more about that. Okay. Okay.
0: One second. This is Sex and Science Hour, segment three coming up. All right, Brian, tell me more about the brain serving the nerve endings. Well, I mean, this is a debate that's had by neurologists. Can you explain the problem again? So the question is:
1: Is that okay? Wait a minute. So, well, first off, you have the hard problem of consciousness. Okay, and and I mean, this is people really don't understand, and this is such a old old argument. And I think that there's actually some old arguments that still need to be revisited today, like the, the concept of psychons. Okay, um, which is like an actual um, uh, uh, like a particle that that would hold, say, consciousness or something like this. Oh, okay. anyway.
0: So, so, what is the hard problem of consciousness? Well, I mean, the hard problem of
1: consciousness basically is, uh, what the fuck is it? Where does it come from?
0: <laughs> yeah. You so know. I've heard the hard problem of consciousness explained as how do you explain the subjectivity of experience, right? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you account for the fact that we can see something that's blue and know what it is, but we can't, we don't know that someone else experiences blue the same way that we do objectively like it's a subjective it's called qualia or something like yeah that. so i mean that's a part
1: of, of of like this whole conversation it is a massive conversation that people don't even realize i think well because you don't want to think on it too hard because you're going to go nuts of course and then you say to yourself wait a minute but how am i going nuts if consciousness isn't this blah blah yeah i mean you're gonna you're gonna go back and forth so but on a more biological level of it okay um there is a major debate On where it, you know, what exactly is more the seat of consciousness? What exactly is more the seat of your experience? Ah, Is it what the brain translates?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, meaning like, is this all happening in your head Mm -hmm. or are your nerve endings actually really your, you know, the more important aspect of your consciousness? And so the question becomes who's serving who? Are, is the brain serving the nerve endings or are the nerve endings serving the brain? Now, most people, I think, think that the nerve endings are serving the brain. OK. Yeah. But again, it's a this is a heavy debate amongst genuine scientists. OK. You know, neurologists and everything uh, of maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's the other way around. And I think that there's a lot to lend to that because phantom limb syndrome,
0: um, all kinds of things where. Well, I was just thinking like some people call the gut the second brain because we have trillions of neurons in our gut. That are that almost act like a second brain. What about the heart too? The heart creates an electrical field exactly. that's a lot like the brain, and it, it's located close enough to the brain that the electrical field of the heart and the brain could influence each other. Could exactly, kind of like play off of each other. I mean, I don't think it's a dichotomy really between the the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. I think that the whole nervous system is is important for consciousness, and yeah, that's why people get things like. You know, people don't feel whole when they lose body parts. Right. You know, now, they, it really affects them psychologically.
1: Yeah. And this is what scares me, like with transhumanism. And I've brought this up many times on my own show yeah. is that um I'm sorry. Like, I don't know that what makes me is just shit that you could transcode into into a computer, you know, yeah, or that you I could agree. just or that you could just literally put my brain in a vat. Yeah. I don't know that that makes up me. The, me, like my hand could be just as important to how I think, how I empathize, how I do all these different
0: things. Absolutely. And the we ba- don't know. The like, bacteria the, in your gut. Right. Influence your state of mind, your mood, your cravings for certain foods, that kind of thing. And that's what, and, and
1: you, Dr. Murphy, I mean, how, how long has that been being researched? What, the past five years, Maybe. You know oh, yeah, it's w- very new, w- super new. People are
0: just starting to acknowledge that. What but, about like the the you know the experience of orgasm? If you didn't have the body parts to be able to experience it, what ex- what actually is that? Is it like different? Of course, it's different.
1: Well, it's going to be different. And also, if you can't experience it, like, does that not change you as a person? Yes, I think uh, it does. Right. Yeah. So so that's the thing. You go, you know, I, I mean, I get it. Transhumanists, you want to do it, you go for it. Okay. And you want to live forever? Hey, I want to live forever too. All right. But I am very concerned because we the debates are too hot, too heavy, too uh too there's too many of them over what consciousness actually is and I am not convinced that your the rest of your body, not just your brain, has a whole lot more involved uh, to do with it, I think, and I've brought this point up many times, like with, like you mentioned with the the heart, that that creates an electromagnetic field. I find it interesting that we have ancestors, ancient ancestors, Egyptians, you know, in their canopic jars and everything. Oh, there's very certain things they wanted to preserve that they thought were important to to how you continue on into the afterlife and everything. The brain wasn't necessarily one of them. What did they know? I mean, maybe they're just guessing. <laughs> you have okay? to ask yourself. Well, I mean, but then, you know, then you have – you got a people that run away from them that are, uh, uh, you know, the Hebrews, right, Um who have this wild medical knowledge, in my opinion. And I I really think that, that it, it's, it's pretty advanced stuff. I mean, it's – I don't know. I, I just – you're talking about people that had to rely so hard on what they observed. what did they observe what did they know blah 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 and it's not aliens get that people can get that shit out of their head and i know i probably just debunked everything i was just talking about because i brought this up but i'm just saying that it's been thought for a while perhaps that the brain isn't fucking everything you know and and it's still a matter under heavy heavy debate um, and, and I think it needs to be considered.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I actually think that idea comes a lot from Western medicine. Sure. And what I mean by that is that Western medicine considers the body as not really as a whole, as like a collection of parts. Mm-hmm. If you have something, let's say you have diabetes and your kidneys start to fail. Right. You go to a nephrologist you go to an endocrinologist for your diabetes and your insulin. You uh-huh. go to a nephrologist for your kidney. You don't go to one doctor. Like it's different doctors working on different body systems and the divisions between them are sort of arbitrary. But really everything in the body is connected. And especially when you're talking about chronic conditions or chronic diseases yeah. or just health it It really makes more sense to consider the body as a whole, yeah, there should and be a not more break holistic it down approach. into these parts, and when transhumanists talk about putting a brain in a jar or a bot- a brain in a robot body or something like that, well, yeah, I agree that's not you. You can't just isolate the brain, I mean actually, where are you going to cut it off, right? Where do you cut the cranial nerves? Oh I mean that's because a- there's nerves that come out of your brain and go all the way through your digestive system down to your asshole, yeah, <laughs> where do you cut those nerves. Well, you know? that's the- <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, where do you put the asshole nerve in the robot <laughs> body?
1: <laughs> not only cutting them. I mean, how many there? Are? There's millions. You yes. know, I mean, like, there's so
0: many connections. Well, there's 10 the... cranial nerves, but well, then right. they branch out. And yes. They, Tributaries. Of... Yes. I
1: mean, it, it's it, like the technical question is a whole other thing, you know. And but, then there's
0: the spinal cord.
1: Right. You know, what do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, f- folks, there are like these, these are questions. These are things still being hashed out that I am not prepared to, to jump on the new way. You know, uh, without having these answered Mm. and if they can never be answered, well, then I am going to for the first time in my life, take a very conservative approach, not be risky and say, I'll keep my body thank you so i know that i am actually me
0: yeah i agree i, I gotta be me. me without my my body and my whole body yeah <laughs> i mean if push came to shove if there was a part that was going to kill me okay i might ditch it but you oh, know right. i it would be like it would not be something i would take lightly well, i wouldn't another, just you the know appendix
1: you know they're saying oh yeah you could just toss that or tonsils you could just toss that now they're saying well actually maybe we don't want to just toss this shit
0: oh my gosh yeah there's yeah. lots of body parts like that where people consider them expendable and then they're like oh yeah well we actually figured out that there is a function, to yeah.
1: That. Evolutionary byproducts, and then it's like, oh shit! Wait a minute, that yeah. kind of makes us us. Oops.
0: All right. Well, I was mentioning something about can uh, about um, orgasms, yeah. And would it, would you be you if you didn't experience orgasm the same way because you had different genitalia, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got an article here that sounds like clickbait, but I actually think it's a little bit deeper than that. This is called. Can weed help you have better orgasms from vice? Now hear me out. Some people are sold already. They're like, yeah, I want to know about that. Or they already but know. But the sub headline is experts tell us what this smart vibrator seems to already know. Weed has a profound effect on your orgasm. This is by Susanna Weiss. Lioness, a smart vibrator can measure a woman's vaginal contractions with sensors in, in that with with sensor in the, that measures tension in the vagina. Sorry, that sentence is weirdly written. Um, so it sounds like there's a sensor in the vagina that measures tension. Okay. And display her orgasms on a chart. The company recently released an informal study of users, quote, potgasms. Many of the participants experienced different orgasms on weed, and sometimes the measurements were reflected in the reports. My orgasm felt longer lasting and surprised me more with its varying intensities, says Lioness's CEO Liz Klinger of masturbation after consuming an edible. It's normally more of a consistent rolling wave. My vaginal contractions were way less regular, and instead of my squeezing getting weaker and weaker over time, it just kept getting stronger throughout. If you look at Klinger's chart, you can see that her orgasm under the edibles influence, far right, has larger and less regular contractions than the sober climax left and that they don't taper off at the end. And they actually show a graph of her orgasm when she's sober and her orgasm when she's been consuming edibles. Okay. And they look totally different. We'll link link to this article in the show notes. But like, this thing is measuring the pressure in it's like a dildo that has a pressure sensor in it, right? (laughs) And this thing is measuring the pressure and it looks completely different. Like the the contractions are at irregular intervals when she's eaten the brownie. They are stronger and more intense than the sober ones. The sober ones, it's like a clock, it's like a second hand ticking. It's like, deet, 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 deep. The, <laughs> the, the, the pot, deet, 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 deet. yeah, the potgasm is like, whoa, whoa <laughs> <woo!"> <laughs> I'm going to have you make these sounds.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> all right. Well, well, hold on. So, so is this just for women? Is this all we're talking about here? Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess people with female anatomy. Sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's what I mean by that. My yeah. apologies. So, uh, yeah, because I'll tell
1: you straight out, like guys. Um, or guys with male, or people with male anatomy. Yeah. Um, stoner boner is a thing, folks. And that is not an improvement in your sex life. Uh, so, but I can believe this. What, what is, what do you mean when you say stoner boner? What, what happens? It's like whiskey dick. Like, when you're high. Like, you can't
0: get an erection? You can't get
1: the same level. You can't get the same, you know,
0: hardness. Okay.
1: Same performance level and all that. And for me, no pun intended, that's, that's a hard stop. I mean, like, I... You know, I'll just say it. Nothing messes with my dick. Like nothing. I won't let anything, you know, like that, that just, just not a chance. Uh, and, but if this is true and holy shit, like you can experience,
0: don't they have like weed lube? They do, yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I have tried it for science. <laughs>
1: well, there you go. I mean, if if this enhance, I mean then please. Like the purpose of life is to be happy and feel pleasure. So by all means, rock and roll, you know?
0: I- yeah. Now they do have an article linked in here called why high sex may not be that great. <laughs> so there may be another side to this. Ah. But, uh, yeah, it says it's not all rainbows and toe curling climaxes for everyone. Cannabis can cause drying of the mucous membranes, which might mean a lack of vaginal wetness. Oh yeah, I guess that's the cotton mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then it says men who can, cons- Brian, they, they got your thing in there. <laughs> men who consume too much weed might also suffer from a case of stoner boner, Bingo! a waning erection. Thank t- you. Tischler says. Another study in the Journal of Sexual Medicine found that men who smoked daily were more likely to experience inability to orgasm, reach orgasm too quickly, and reach orgasm too slowly compared to those who never smoked. So as with everything, moderation is key.
1: Uh, Yeah, I just don't mess with it myself. But again, if you know, everybody's, I guess, idea of pleasure can be subjective. And so but if this.
0: You know. I bet there's a sweet spot too, cause it's like, you could imagine, it, like, having a glass of wine versus having a bottle of wine, you know? Uh huh. <laughs> and those would affect your body very differently. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. It included the graph. I mean, maybe that's a little bit too visual for, uh, for talking about it on the radio, <laughs> but hey, there you go. Anyway. Well, I
1: mean, I thought you explained it very well. I mean, there are the deet, 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 deets, the woo, woo. <laughs> And you had a few other ones. I, I, I thought you, you put it across the audio. Well, thank good. you. Yeah, bravo. Uh, <laughs> I, I got what's going on.
0: Okay, we are now in our listener mail segment. Now, I talked about the one about me looking like Alanis Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> but we have another article that we got from a listener. This one was submitted without comment by Dixie Normus. That was the listener's name, <laughs> or not. Okay. Take It's an article from Nautilus' blog called Taking Another Person's Perspective Doesn't Help You Understand Them. Now, Dixie Normus didn't comment on this at all, so I don't know what they think of it. They just wanted us to read it, maybe. Okay. So uh, we'll read it, and we'll tell you what we think. So it says, no moral advice is perfectly sound. The golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, is only as wise as the person following it. A more modern-sounding tip, take the perspective of others, can seem like an improvement. It was Dale Carnegie's eighth pr- principle in How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. And it is a, for- quote, a formula that will work wonders for you. And from the, That's a quote from the book, I guess. And Barack Obama trotted it out at the United Nations when discussing Israel and Palestine. He said, The deadline, the deadlock will only be broken when each side learns to stand in each other's shoes. Perspective-taking avoids the golden rule's flaw. Its effect doesn't hinge on the integrity of the person considering it. And it's an inducement to selflessness, in that you're encouraged to exchange your frame of reference for that of another. Perspective-taking increases the odds that you'll emotionally empathize with the person whose shoes you're stepping into, rely less on your own biases and group-based stereotypes, and avoid automatic expressions of racial bias. In a recent study, authors Tay Ayal... Mary Steffel and Nicholas Epley say these results, among others, quote, suggest that being told to put oneself into another's perspective may result in increased interpersonal accuracy and understanding of the thoughts and desires of someone else. But it doesn't. After testing the impact perspective-taking had on the accuracy of interpersonal judgments in 25 experiments, the researchers concluded, if anything, perspective-taking decreased accuracy overall while increasing confidence in judgment. Translation. Uh, it Uh they didn't really understand the other person's perspective, but they thought they did. <laughs> <laughs> Even romantic partners who were together for a decade on average couldn't get perspective-taking to work when quizzed on their significant other's preferences or views. They thought, on average, that 13 out of their 20 guesses would be accurate after being quizzed, but only five were. So people, I think what they're saying so far, just to summarize, is that People think they're able to take someone else's perspective to step into their shoes, but they're really not doing it right. <laughs> they're not doing it accurately anyway.
1: Well, sure. But then that doesn't condemn the entire practice. I mean, this is basically empathy, you know, like understanding where a person's coming. They from.
0: present an alternative. Let me keep reading. here. OK, so it says this is a counterintuitive finding Epley explained in a piece for NPR The vast majority of people we surveyed predicted that actively adopting another person's perspective would help them understand another person better in a variety of ways, from understanding another person's reaction when looking at a picture to predicting movie preferences, he wrote. Perspective taking may work some wonders for your social life, but understanding another person better does not seem to be one of those wonders. (laughs) The lesson for Epley can seem, quote, painfully obvious. To understand someone, we should not imagine their point of view, but make the effort to get their perspective. Quote, true insight into the minds of others is not likely to come from honing your powers of intuition, Epley wrote, but rather by learning to stop guessing about what's on the mind of another person and learning to listen instead. So he, so they're saying instead of trying to empathize with somebody, like and guessing at what they would would want or what they would think. Uh-huh. Try listening to what they actually are saying about that instead or asking them about it.
1: Well, I don't know. I feel weird about this. This this feels like just some kind of hot take.
0: Yeah, it does feel like a hot take. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe
1: I'm misunderstanding what I'm hearing here, Uh which I can't, you know, like I'm one, trying to understand where they're coming. One from, last little quote just failure. to clarify yeah. what
0: this person means. Um, in 2015, um, Epley told Nautilus feature editor, another person's mind comes through their mouth. So he's saying, listen to the person instead of just trying to put yourself in their shoes. I mean, listening to
1: somebody is a great idea. Um, yeah, I always, you know, and I love the old saying... You know, walk a mile in somebody's shoes before you criticize them, mm-hmm. uh, because that way you're a mile away from them and you have their shoes and they, you know, <laughs> then, then you can criticize them. Like, I think that's great. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is okay. What a lot of people I don't think grasp is that there's a lot of things being said underneath often what a person is actually saying. Okay. Um, I, this is a Paul Stanley quote, you know, if somebody starts flipping out over a sofa, the problem is really not the sofa. There's something else going on underneath there. Okay. Um, so I, I feel like you do try to see what a person's perspective is to understand what's really going on for them. There's a, I mean, you know, especially when somebody's angry or something, oftentimes there's a lot of other stuff going on, you know, like, yeah. I mean, like outside and you may not know that and it might not be fruitful for you to even try to find out because you might not, they may never tell you. You know, and you may never be
0: able to find out. Or what if they can't tell you? What if they're a little kid that can't communicate? Sure. What if they're an animal? What if they're dead? There's plenty of <laughs> adults that can't communicate. <laughs> right.
1: And that's the thing. I, I I don't know. I don't know if I agree with this. I think that it is. I think communication is not something as simple as where. I mean, they even said it like Dale Carnegie's book. OK, how to win friends or how to make friends and influence people. Right. Um, This is a book I'm very familiar with. And. I mean, he has like three major points, then he's got another six, Mm -hmm. and then he has another 12. It's not that (laughs) simple. This one's
0: at the back of the book. This is like number eight out (laughs) of those 12, and it's like, okay, but no one's saying this is the only way that you communicate. Right. I I don't hear this as an anti-empathy. I mean, and they're not mutually exclusive. You could listen to a person and try to put yourself in their shoes, right? What's wrong with that? That that seems the best approach. Yeah, this feels like a hot take. Yeah, it's a hot take. All right, well, we've got a few more hot takes in our after show. If you want to Stick around. We'll see you there. If not, sexandsciencehour.com. See you next time. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour.
1: Game over. Play again next
0: week. We got an email from Mr. Miracle Berry Man. Mr. Would you like to hear what he said? You know <laughs> Do you know the Miracleberry Man? Do you know the Muffin Man? <laughs> well, I know the Miracleberry Berry Man, because okay. uh, he emailed us <laughs> through our contact form on sexandsciencehour.com. Uh, Mr. Miracle Berry Man said, uh, I was the one to buy nature's wild berries. My auntie, and this was an item that we covered on our after show last week. Yeah. And that was, a, that was a miracle berry powder. They said, my auntie has a plant in her garden where I first learned about them, and I kept telling friends. So I bought these as a party trick to have with lemons and limes. And as we said earlier on the show, they will make lemons and limes taste very sweet. Because they convert the taste of acid into sweet taste.
1: I want to go to this party, you know, and just like see on on the coffee table. I want to have a miracle berry party. There's just lined up like, you know, lemons and limes and everything. And, and, and like you walk in and you go, Oh, I know what this is. Somebody's got some miracle berries and this is going to be a great time. Yeah. I mean, I'd like, I, I got to be there for this.
0: Yeah. I think you have to eat them in kind of short order because it, I think it wears off within, I don't know, 20 minutes. It's like
1: whippets. You got to be fast. (laughs)
0: <laughs> he said, uh, yeah, he got them as a party trick to have with lemons and limes. We tried them another time with pineapple and it was too sweet. Too so sweet. I don't recommend that. Sorry to hear about your miracle berry plant. They definitely like that equator life. <laughs> <laughs> and I had said my miracle berry plant bit the dust because yeah. I don't know it didn't like my soil for all some right. reason. Uh, and then they said, "I hope you have a fine sash tastic day." Well, thank you, Mr. Miracle Berry Man.
1: Yeah, thank you. Uh, love to go to one of those parties. I mean, <laughs> me
0: too. When I, are we gonna I, get our invitation?
1: Uh, now I know what this is all about. I mean, I you know when I see lemons and limes lined up, you know, usually I'm used to well somebody wants to split a shasta with me or something, you know, but. <laughs> But actually, no, no, no. no. I know. It's it's the miracle shasta. berry. Yeah. Split shasta. That's California right there.
0: Well, what did people buy through stuff.sexandsciencehour.com this week? Do tell. Well, this is actually from several weeks ago. So we are a couple months behind because we did take a little bit of a break from the show for a while. So we're catching up on our after show items. But Ooh. any item that you hear about on our after show can be found at stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And uh if you buy an item through that link, you might be on our next after show and your item might inspire other people to purchase it, just like Mr. Miracle Barry Mans did. So there you go. Stuff.sexandsciencehour.com when we thank you very much. So <laughs> uh somebody got a seed sprouter by Victorio, the Deluxe Kitchen Four Tray Seed Sprouter. Now, I have actually wanted to try this. It's about 20 bucks. It's got these trays that have little kind of mesh at the bottom. And then it comes, usually they come with packages of seeds that you just kind of rinse and you put them on the trays and the seeds will start to sprout. And then you can have fresh like alfalfa sprouts or broccoli sprouts to put on your salad. Mm-hmm. They're so good and they're so nutritious. And um I really want to try this. So the only problem is you got to get good air circulation so the seeds don't mold, like mold over, you know. You don't want to be going to Moldova. Uh. It's a great country.
1: (laughs) No, no country is great, it's a beautiful land
0: (laughs) And, you know, you can sprout a lot of different things. You can sprout lentils. You can sprout chickpeas. Hmm. I want to try that. And some people say that sprouting beans, especially, um, decreases the content of anti-nutrients in the beans. Uh-huh. So things like lectins and phytates and, uh, the bad shit like that. Anyway, cool. Tell us how your seed sprouter grows. Somebody got a YubiKey Neo. Hey. Yep. Two-factor authentication. We've Big got fan. some YubiKeys, don't we? Oh, absolutely.
1: In a secure location. I recommend everybody use YubiKeys.
0: Lee Love vacuum cylinder for penis pumps, untapered medical grade acrylic with measurement marks. Ooh, that's good. You gotta be scientific when you're pumping. Yeah. Absolutely. You wanna measure you wanna pump it to a specific amount of inches. So and this is a they have different diameters too. They have one point five inch, one point seven five inch, and two inch diameter. That's a chode. That's pretty that's pretty wide. Keep it stiff. <laughs> Inkbird all purpose digital therm uh temperature controller uh with two sensor relays this is like some kind of a thermostat or something like that all right otterbox defender series case for LG v 20 Ooh, yeah nice little
1: phone all yeah
0: right. it looks like a sturdy case too i
1: just had to buy a new phone myself what kind
0: of phone did you get
1: oh i don't know if i want to tell people <laughs> uh,
0: well uh what kind of <laughs> phone would you recommend
1: Oh, well, those are two very different <laughs> answers. <laughs> no, I'll tell people what I got. Uh, tell us I,
0: something that can be found on science.
1: I ordered a Nokia 2. Okay. And when you go to look at it, you will be stunned at the price of this thing. Like, because it is cheap. Uh, but it's Nokia and, um, and it, it's gonna, I think it's gonna meet my needs.
0: And what kind of phone was it replacing?
1: Uh, is replacing a Le Echo Pro Three running Lineage OS.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked about that a couple. Yeah, of times. I'm not
1: gonna. I'm not gonna actually redo the the Nokia Two. I'm not or I'm not going to put a, a custom ROM on it because it's going to get the uh, Oreo Android Go update, which I'm interested to see. As a tech journalist myself, I'm interested to see what Android Go how it really goes. So,
0: <laughs> what is Android Go? Android, Android Go
1: is a um a lightweight version of android that they spe- that google specifically designed for developing countries so oh, using yeah. it in america makes sense um because <laughs> this is a developing country uh, aren't
0: all countries developing yes, in some ways yeah until you know.
1: they become an anarchist landmass they're they're really developing yeah um so but until
0: but, they yeah. transcend being a country they're developing exactly <laughs> <laughs> so that's we're gonna use that somewhere yeah
1: uh but, uh, but yeah so that's that's the nokia too. Um, so do you want about.
0: to say the reason why it was replacing the Le echo? The
1: echo. Le- I don't know what the fuck's going on with this thing. This yeah, thing, I, I can barely hold it. It gets white hot.
0: The battery dies. I can't. Literally, I cannot get through half of a day. You better get a without. new one before something happens. Like I'm a little bit nervous about that. I think this thing's going to so melt. Hot. I don't know yeah. what the hell's
1: going on with it. Right?
0: Like you could pick it up in your hand and it could hurt you. Or something. yeah,
1: I mean, I have other. I have you other. Better phones. use an oven
0: mitt next time you pick your phone up. Right.
1: <laughs> I mean, I have other phones, but. You know, I want something, well, anyway.
0: And you are somewhat of an Android connoisseur. You're an Android expert. You have written a book called Dark Android, which is about how to secure your Android device. And there's a 2018, the 2017 edition is out. 2018 edition is out, going to be out momentarily.
1: Yes, there's been, Amazon has given me a lot of trouble. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's been going on with that. Um, but yeah, I, I'll say this quickly. I have literally written the book on Android security. I have. No one else has. I have written the book on Android security. So, you know, take that for what you will. <laughs> and I love to boast about it.
0: Kindle e-reader, uh, glare free touch screen display nice. built in Audible for seventy nine ninety nine. dollars 99 B- Is it an Oasis? No, it wasn't. It was just a Kindle. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now How I does it just... have the Audible? Well, shit. I just, uh. All right. It doesn't matter. Yeah, no, tab- keep going. No. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it just says Kindle e-reader. Black, six-inch, glare-free touchscreen, Wi-Fi built-in Audible includes special offers. Oh,
1: maybe they updated stuff. That's great. Yeah, I love it when my e-reader has uh, Audible can connect to my Bluetooth headphones.
0: Mm, yeah, that's definitely useful. And there's, you know, I narrate audiobooks and there's a lot of uh audiobooks. Uh, that are whisper sync enabled whisper sync yes. is when you can switch between listening to the audiobook and reading the book and you don't lose your place and between devices yeah you know. and between devices that's nice okay sandisk 16 gigabyte ultra micro sdhc card that's nice, nice for 10 bucks brio food women's multivitamin 880 tabs made for women with vegetables probiotics herbal blends that's good uh, 25 million CFU probiotics for 17 bucks for 180. That's like a six month supply. It's pretty good. Nice. Uh, cutting edge cultures, vegetable starter culture, six pouches. Ooh, this, so this is for fermenting vegetables, starter cultures for lacto fermentation. So you could make pickles, you could make sauerkraut, you could make fermented peppers, you could make fermented broccoli. You can pretty much ferment any kind of vegetable. Anything that has carbohydrates or a sugar source, you can ferment. Yeah. You just need the right kind of culture and the right kind of conditions to grow it. So these are lactobacilli. Ooh, this is cool. I wonder if this was bought by the same person who did the, uh, the sprouting trays. So, uh, yeah. Good luck with that. Probably they brought some other, some jars and stuff to ferment unless they had them. Oh, Sanabul elastic professional hand wraps for boxing, kickboxing, and Muay Thai. Go get them. Muay Thai. Muay Thai. MMA. MMA. Uh, <laughs> somebody bought the Kinobo silent click wireless mouse. Uh, <laughs> another popular one. Uh, Terra Whey Protein, simply pure protein, low carb, grass fed whey protein, bourbon vanilla flavor for thirty bucks for twenty four ounces. Wow,
1: that sounds pretty good. Yeah, that I to have sound to try that good. brand myself. Mm hmm. I'm a, I'm a muscle farm guy, but that sounds great.
0: Uh, somebody also bought the 1.75 inch version of the penis pump. (laughs) <laughs> the fitted head <laughs> they bought the oh, two the, the oh, other the one head. was the okay. two inch version yeah I was like, <laughs> they also bought the 1.75 maybe it wasn't the same person i don't know okay perler beads oh my gosh i think we might know who bought this because <laughs> we received some perler bead art and it was so cool it's hanging up in my studio right now actually. yeah
1: got some in my studio as well
0: so you know who Beautiful. you are thank you very much <laughs> oh this is cool i won't i think i'm going to add this to my cart 100% authentic hammered copper wine goblet Ooh. for like a Moscow mule or for just like an Indian kind of restaurant or something Ooh. like that. It's a copper wine goblet. Ooh, Very I definitely nice. want one of those. I'm keeping that tab open. Hair thinning razor hair comb with extra razor blades. Oh, okay. So this is not for thinning hair. This is for actually making your hair thinner. It's not for if your hair is oh. naturally getting thin. It's for it's for causing your hair to get thin. What this does is it's a comb with a built-in razor that cuts like one out of every ten hairs or something like that. Nah. So it's meant for actually making your hair thin. It's meant you could shave your hair at the ends to make it to do certain kinds of haircuts. You could shave it at the top to just thin out your hair if you have really thick, unmanageable, unruly hair. And um this was $7.29 with free shipping. Pretty nice. good. Uh, Marine Land Magnum Polishing Internal Canister Filter. Um, it's a water filter. Okay. All right. That's great. Uh, maybe for camping. Floss sleeve. Uh, yeah, this is like a filter for, or like a sleeve for the same water filter. Yeah, put it in a sleeve. Put it in a sleeve. Exactly. Oh, this is fun. Butt plugs and a (laughs) lube applicator. So these are called, he, he, his... His Ion Lee, sexy toys, (laughs) four-piece anal plug set, sex dolls, black. (laughs) These names are like a poem. Yeah. It says, there's always a suitable size for you. And then it shows four of them in increasing sizes. It's got super suction power. It can suck onto the shower wall to, uh, you know, just go into your butt in the shower. And um, it has a lube like bulb that you can su- It's almost like those things to suck the wax out of your ear, you know, like or flush the wax out of your ear. It has like a bulb where you can put lube in it and then you can kind of stick it in your butt and then squeeze it in so that there's lube in your butt for when you put the butt plug in. And this is only 15... You get all that for only fifteen ninety nine. That's a good price. Silicone. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Led- Have mo- fun. Yeah, yeah. LED-mo switching converter, AC-DC power supply adapter and transformer for LED strip lights. So this is something that controls LED lights. Switcher. All right. Health Force Superfoods, mineral Green, Superfood Complex, Vitamins. Uh, it's like a superfood powder. Oh, so, I use.
1: I have one of. I use that. Yeah. I have one by or
0: not that company.
1: I have a Muscle Farm version of it. But
0: yeah. Yeah. So what? Let's see what this has in it. This got like dandelion, holy basil, bar- holy basil. Yeah. <laughs> Nettle leaf, alfalfa. Wow, this is interesting. Par- parsley leaf, wheatgrass, barley grass, chickweed leaf, cl- spirulina, chlorella, kelp, dulce, bladderwrack. Wow. So you sure, it's not cholera. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so they have like a lot of bitter herbs from the land. And now the reason that people consume bitter uh leaves and herbs is that it's supposed to stimulate digestion and stimulate the liver. Ah. So it makes your gallbladder pump out and, en- you know, uh bile and your pancreas pump out enzymes and your liver pump out detoxifying enzymes and uh supposed to help. So, yeah, this is interesting. It looks like it's got a lot of good stuff in it. This is not a, sub. you know, superfood powders are not a substitute for eating green stuff, folks. Okay? So you got to eat your veggies. You know, sorry to spoil the party, but you can't just have green juice, Brian Sovereign. I'm talking to you. Uh, <laughs> Zapp's potato chips. Speaking of not eating green things, we got Zapp's potato chips, 1.5 ounce variety sampler pack, and it's 30 bags of potato chips of different flavors. All right. Here's an interesting one, an audiobook. Fingerprints of the Gods. The quest continues by Graham Hancock. Yeah, this is on Audible.
1: That's a classic.
0: Yeah, a revolutionary rewrite of history that has persuaded millions of listeners throughout the world to change their preconceptions about the history behind modern society. This is like a little ancient aliens thing.
1: Well, actually, I mean, the nice... Yes, but the nice thing about... And Graham Hancock's been on Ancient Aliens. Yes. Um, The nice thing about it, though... Like, I don't agree with everything that Hancock says. He gets a little too... Happy go lucky about certain psychedelics, um, with, with very little evidence. Uh, as to where oftentimes he has a lot of evidence for what he's making the point, and he usually points at ancient human civilizations, not, not so much at aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really appreciate that, that perspective, because I think that that's,
0: that's the one you find more sane, right? Uh, more sane and, you know, just <laughs> More like pro- probable. Probable right? and where the evidence really points. So,
1: yeah.
0: Ooh, somebody got a nice gaming headset. Sennheiser uh, 506 PC 373D surround sound gaming headset. Ah, it's a winner. Yeah. Is that the same one you have, Brian? No, I don't have a sanitizer. okay. It looks similar, yeah. but it's yeah. That's have a that's a hundred sixty dollar headset. Yeah, really I good. use
1: a Kingston HyperX Cloud Two headset. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: UB Co. Another UB Key, UB Key Four, to for two factor authentication. Handy. Yep. We had the YubiKey Neo and the YubiKey 4.
1: The difference between the two, the Neo has NFC and can work with your phone, as to where the YubiKey 4 does not.
0: Thank you, Brian, so, for so you know. enlightening us. Yeah. Yeah, I was just about to ask about that. So what I do. Men's premium cargo shorts with belt. Hey, all right, my they kind of guy. They have eight different pockets, and you can pull the little strings at the bottom to Bunch them up. <laughs> tile slim phone finder, wallet finder, anything finder. This is like a tile that you stick onto something and, uh, you can use your smartphone to locate it when it's nearby, but out of sight. Huh. <laughs> Scarlet dragon plant necklace. So last time, if you remember, we were doing the items and we had a keychain that was a terrarium inside the keychain. Yeah. This is a necklace that has a plant, a living plant inside the necklace
1: know oh, i think i've seen these kinds of
0: things yeah isn't that cool yeah i like that it's a living breathing cactus that you can wear now what happens when it outgrows the necklace i don't know but uh anyway breaks open and fall <laughs> over and it stabs you yeah uh we have azo yeast plus by amerifit nutrition this is i think pain relief for yeast infections or something like that um I don't know what it is. It says it's a homeopathic remedy, but I don't know like what the ingredient is. Hmm. Azo makes a thing for urinary tract uh, symptoms, which is like some kind of thing that numbs your bladder so it doesn't hurt as much. Or it's like cranberries. I'm not exactly sure. Huh. Uh, I really shouldn't be talking about this because I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 5-HTP supplement, 120 capsules. So 5-HTP is a precursor of both serotonin and melatonin. So it's supposed to give your brain the building blocks to make happy juice, which makes you happy, like serotonin. So, um, yeah, good luck with that. I hope that helps. Usually you
1: call Happy Juice something else.
0: Yeah, I think I do. So if you want to get any of the items that you heard about on our after show, simply visit stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and search for whatever your heart desires, and you might be on our next after show. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Alanis at I mean Stephanie, signing off. <laughs> this our website, is sexandsciencehour.com, and we're so glad that you joined us today. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you soon.